Welcome to the Real Life English Podcast, where we help dedicated English learners just like you cultivate the courage, the confidence, and the skills that you need to understand real life native English, to communicate clearly with people from all around the world, and to make your life an epic global adventure. Now, are you ready to go beyond the classroom and start living your English? Can I get an aww, yeah? In this podcast lesson, Ethan and I talk about what cultural fluency is and how it can really help you on your English language journey. We advise you how not to respond when you don't understand spoken English and give you some fantastic survival phrases and tips that you can use instead. Also, if you head over to Instagram at reallife.english, you will see Ethan and I act out some examples of how not to respond, followed by the correct way to respond. So make sure you check that out when you finish listening to this podcast. Uh, yeah, boys and girls, citizens of the world, this is Ethan from Real Life English, where we believe that listening to podcasts is a fun, natural, convenient, and super way to learn English. So download this podcast and listen to it while you're stuck in traffic, walking down the street, or even sweeping your living room. <laughs> I'm joined here in the Barcelona studio by the lovely Andrea. How's it going, Andrea? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So it's been a long time we're here in person together. It's been a long time since we've recorded in person. We were just talking about. Yeah, it has been a while. And when I saw you appear <laughs> at my door, I was like, oh, it's Ethan. Even though we see each other online nearly every day, um, it was nice to see you in person. And it has been a while. It's been, I can't even, I can't even remember the exact time that we recorded together in person. So mm -hmm. it's nice. I might say it's been a hot second. Have you ever heard that expression? I have, yeah. So would you say it's been a hot second? Yeah, which is like, means the opposite. It means like it's been, it's been a while. So it's been a hot second. It's been a long time. Okay. Yeah. Because in my mind, that would make me think that it has been very quick. Mm -hmm. It's not been so long, but that's an interesting one. Yeah. It's kind of like sarcastic, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's sarcastic. Yeah. We would also say long time no see. Mm -hmm. Are there any others? Hey, stranger. Hey, stranger. Yeah. <laughs> Or look who it is. Yeah. Or we might even use that one like don't be a stranger. Like if you mm -hmm. as like an alternative to keep in touch, right? Yeah. So if you're saying goodbye to someone and you want them to keep in touch, that's mm -hmm. a good one to use. Fantastic. So today we're talking about a pretty cool topic that is called cultural fluency. And when you master cultural fluency, it can help you a lot to be able to kind of like flow more in your conversations. So even if you have kind of like a lower level of speaking in English, it will just give you a lot more confidence when you have any sort of like encounter with another English speaker. So we'll talk about some different things not to do and what you should do and what exactly cultural fluency is. But before we get into any of that, why don't we take a look at a very special learner out there who deserves a shout out. Okay, so today's shout out comes from Dr. HVS Aurora from Canada, and this was written on Apple Podcasts, and it says, thanks a ton. 
My God, why didn't I get to know you before? Thanks for making my English better than ever before. I'm improving. Cheers to you guys. That's so awesome. So very short but sweet, right? Yeah, short and sweet. So it's not a super long one, but I think he gets the meaning across well.、Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for leaving us this five star review. And what would that mean for you? Cheers to you guys. Would that mean thanks to you guys? Yes, because cheers is another way of saying thanks. Is、mm-hmm. it in America? Not really. I mean, I, I use that sometimes because I've known a lot of,、uh, spent a lot of time with Australians and, and Brits. But I think for me, the first thing I think when you say cheers to you guys, I think more like a toast,、mm-hmm. like with a, a drink of some sort that you're saying, you know, cheers to you, like something like, you know, may you have like a long life, may you have health, kind of things like that. Yeah, when I read it, that was the image I had in my mind.、Okay. I imagined a few people raising a glass、mm-hmm. and making a toast, but it can also mean thank you. I guess we, we probably won't know which one he means, but、uh, thanks so much again to, I'm just going to say to you, doctor, because your name is kind of long. And if you want us to shout you out, just head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this and leave us a five star review. And the other really fantastic thing about this is that you're helping other learners from around the world go beyond the classroom and learn English with us. So that said, let's jump into today's quote. So, today's quote, I picked it out because it's one of my favorite quotes of all time. I've even considered getting this one as a tattoo so that I can see it more often. It comes from a book that I've recommended actually a lot to different students because it's from an author named Neil Gaiman who has written、uh, different children's books. He wrote one called Coraline, which was made into an animated film, which was pretty famous. And this book, The Graveyard Book, is one that I've recommended because it has a really fantastic audiobook. And so, usually, I have given that to my students and, and said, like, you know, listen to this and maybe like read it at the same time. And it's really great for practice because it's kind of like sort of a children's book, but it's more advanced and everything. So it doesn't feel like a, a story that's written for children. So that said, if you want to check that out, we'll put it in the show notes. But the quote that I absolutely love is if you dare nothing, then when the day is over, nothing is all you will have gained. So what does that mean?、Mm, this is a really great quote. And I, I didn't know this about Neil Gaiman. It's really interesting.、Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it'll be interesting to check out this book as well. So, I think what he means by this is you know, if you don't dare to step out of your comfort zone、mm-hmm. and actually do something, then you're not really going to gain much from that. It's the moment that you try new things or you're not afraid to make mistakes and that you step out of your comfort zone. That's where you're going to maybe gain experience or gain more confidence、mm-hmm. and improve yourself and make progress. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like taking those risks so that, like, when you get to the end of the day, you're not saying, Oh, I should have done this, I should have done that, I should have said this. Basically, like living your life in regret. It's like you should live your life in the moment and, and kind of do those things that will make you feel really fulfilled, that will kind of like take you to the next level in your skills, that will help you to have closer connections with people. I think that's perfect also for your English because a lot of times, maybe when you're learning another language, you really want to go up to someone and start a conversation or something like that. But then you're like, no, I'm going to make a mistake. I'm, they're going to laugh at me or something like that. But it's like, 
just push those thoughts aside and do it anyway. Take the dare to kind of like do that scary thing because when you do, then at the end of the day, you'll have, you'll, you'll feel much more fulfilled. You won't be living in, in that regret. Yeah. And a great way to think about it is what's the worst that can happen. Mm-hmm. So if you actually do dare to do something that you haven't done before, that you don't feel absolutely comfortable with, what is the worst that could happen and be okay with that. And then that's even going to give you more courage to actually go out and do it. Exactly. So I think this is a wonderful quote and like the kind of conversation that we're starting with here, because what we're going to talk about is cultural fluency. Before you can even kind of like use these tools that we're going to give you, you're going to have to take that first step of daring to start a conversation in English. So that said, I think we can jump right into our main topic. So Andrea, what is cultural fluency? So cultural fluency is a way of being a better communicator. So effectively communicating and using a language to connect with others. But it's about breaking the rules and how you feel in a conversation. So it's not all about the words that you're saying. Mm -hmm. It's more about the other things that aren't as obvious, but really great things that you can learn. For example, body language. Exactly. And they say body language is like at least 60% of communication. I believe something like that. It's the majority of our communication is not by what we're saying, by what we're doing. So, you know, when you can feel a really big difference when you're talking to someone and they have confident body language. And if you're talking to someone and they seem like really nervous or, or they're being dishonest even, and it's like, you can kind of like see that Mm -hmm. dishonesty through their body language where as human beings, because we spent so long before we even had a language, you know, to communicate, we spent so long that it's like we really had to depend on kind of like those visual triggers. So that's really important. And it's important, I think, to work on your body language when you're communicating and to, you know, even if you're nervous in a conversation, that you're trying to kind of like work on having confident body language because it kind of like tricks your brain even. There's a really great TED talk all about body language that uh, we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Right now, the name of this speaker is not coming to me, but she talks about fake it until you make it. So it's kind of like you fake that body language, that confident body language, and eventually you will be confident. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good advice. That makes total sense. I think also another really big part of cultural fluency is knowing the culture that you're speaking about. So if you're a global citizen, in general, you should have kind of like that non-judgmental point of view. So you're going to kind of give people the benefit of the doubt that, okay, they come from like a different background than I do and stuff. And so let me not judge them right away for something that they did or for how how they're acting. So I think it's really important to have some insight into that as well. If you're learning English, if you plan going to the UK and the US, knowing some things about that culture, how people do things differently? Uh, What are things maybe that are taboo or that are faux pas? What does faux pas mean? Faux pas is like, it's from French, right? So it's Mm -hmm. like something that you should not do. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. you you said another word, taboo. Taboos, yeah. yeah. Oh, so we pronounce that differently. Do we? Taboo. Taboo. There you go. Yeah, so the intonation (laughs) is different. Completely. Yeah, taboos or taboo. It's something in the culture that is like thought of as something that you absolutely cannot do. So I don't know. In the... U.S., I think, for example, something here that in in Spain is very normal is like doing the two kisses. But if you go up to like someone, you're being introduced to someone for the first time and you'd give them two kisses on the cheeks, they might be like, Mm. who is this person? Get out of my personal bubble. Yeah, that's true, actually, (laughs) because we do that in the Greek Cypriot community. We do two kisses as well. But then growing up in London, Mm -hmm. 
all of my English friends and stuff didn't really do that. So it was kind of learning when to do the kisses and when to do a hug. Mm -hmm. So in, in England, we tend to hug a lot more than we kiss mm -hmm. with people that we know. Obviously, yeah. we don't go, go around <laughs> hugging strangers. But um, yeah, that's, that's something really interesting as well, mm -hmm. culturally. And even when I moved here, there were lots of things that were very different to the UK. I was so used to, you know, this culture of politeness and this culture of following rules and mm -hmm. like things being really easy, like when you need to, to get things done. Mm -hmm. And certain things here are a bit more difficult. And I had a long period of adaptation as well to learn about the culture here and to get used to it because mm. sometimes you could be frustrated or sometimes you wouldn't understand a certain aspect and it really then helps you especially with your communication yeah so that's like really important it's almost like you're like putting on a different pair of glasses or something to try to see things in a different way when mm. you're communicating when you're communicating with someone if you're doing that already it's going to make the communication easier because you know you'll kind of be putting yourself in that person's shoes you're going to be empathizing more that will obviously make the other person feel more comfortable and, and hopefully it will make you feel more comfortable if that person comes from a, a different culture than you do yeah and it's really important because if you don't learn about this you might then actually be more narrow-minded about mm -hmm. it so you're not seeing it as different You're maybe being judgmental about it or getting frustrated, having more negative feelings. Whereas if you just understand it more, you wouldn't take things personally if mm -hmm. it's something very different to how it is in your country. And then also when you're connecting with people, it will allow you to communicate better. Your conversation might flow better. Mm -hmm. And then so you'll have more success in building relationships as well. Exactly. I think too, you'll avoid making other people uncomfortable if it's something that you recognize we do this in my culture but i better be aware of that and maybe not do it right away or or not do it at all because maybe people in this culture they don't do that so i think having that insight and having that sensitivity that's going to make any conversation that you have a lot easier and i think if it's going to an english-speaking country in both the u.s In the UK, I think most English-speaking countries, something that's really important part, I think, of cultural fluency is recognizing that we're overly polite mm. oftentimes. So kind of learning to say much more probably than you do in your native language, learning to say, please, sorry, thank you. We say it all the time, pretty much like every other sentence if we're not with people that we're really close to. Definitely. Because I feel sometimes, even in Spanish, I overuse please <laughs> and thank you. And it's not, you know, it's just not as overly polite mm -hmm. as we are in the UK or in the States. And that's a really, really important thing to learn. I mean, you've probably seen in TV series and movies where we're made fun of as well <laughs> for this over being overly polite. Exactly. And from the, like having that insight for us, I think that's also helpful living here because like if someone doesn't say sorry, doesn't say please or whatever, it's like recognizing that person's not rude. It's just mm -hmm. like a different way. It's a different culture. So exactly. that said, um, that's all well and good as we might say, right? But how exactly can this help make your English conversations easier other than just like the awkwardness? How, how will it actually make the speaking part of it easier? So First off, we're going to look at what not to do, because I think a lot of times that's a really great place to start, is by stopping doing the bad things that you're doing, right? Definitely. So when you're having a conversation with someone, if you don't understand what they are saying, if you're just saying to them, what? And, you know, screwing up your face <laughs> in that way that, you know, will make someone think, oh, 
they're being a bit rude mm-hmm. or, you know, they're, they're rude because they don't understand me, but they are speaking to me this way, then that's not really a great place to start. Exactly. You're putting the blame on the other person for you not understanding them when really it's probably something that you need to work on or basically we'll, we'll tell you like what you should say in those cases instead of this. And I think the other thing that's really important here is it's not always necessarily bad to say what, but the thing that I've noticed a lot of a lot of learners do coming from their cultures they'll say it like you said maybe the body language mm-hmm. like if you're screwing up your face or something like that so i think being careful of that and when you have at least in the u.s you could tell me in the uk if you do that really strong t at the end so mm-hmm. usually we'd say it, an american would say like what but if you say like what it sounds like yeah. you're being very like accusatory it's with that true. strong t it's true it's the same for us like if it's quite relaxed you just say what mm-hmm. or what did you say but then, yeah, if you say, what, then it's, you can already hear it. Yeah, it's it sounds like got, angry, right? Yeah, it's got a bit of an attitude to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and you might spit on the other person a little bit too with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which that won't get you anywhere. Especially nowadays with coronavirus. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so the next one would be, I didn't, or I don't understand. So just saying that flat out, I didn't, I don't understand. Yeah, I think... This isn't a great one to use because it would it could potentially kind of cut the conversation short. Mm-hmm. It's not really allowing for someone to maybe explain it in a different way or mm-hmm. for you asking for clarification. So it's more like, oh, I don't understand. In a way, it could sound a bit like, oh, I give up. Like here, for example, if someone was speaking to me in English, maybe if they thought I was a tourist or something, right away they say, I don't understand, or I didn't understand, I'd probably switch to Spanish or something because Mm -hmm. I'd be like, okay, well, this person, maybe they don't speak very good English. And obviously, if you're wanting to improve your speaking, you're not wanting to give people the impression that you don't speak English well, because, you know, basically you want to be able to flow through the conversation, even if you have like a lower level, despite the limited vocabulary you have. So, um, so basically later we'll tell you also what to say instead of saying, I don't understand. Mm Mm-hmm. So what's another thing maybe that learners do wrong often, Andrea? So another one is, it's not even really a proper word. It's just a sound. <laughs> so if you don't understand something, you might be like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you can't just, you can't do this without making a strong facial expression yeah. again. Like I could try it, but I think it would look really weird. Like, uh, <laughs> someone might think there's something it wrong with like me. like you're meditating or something. <laughs> yeah, badly. <laughs> Yeah, so whatever this the sound is in English, it's uh, I think in Spanish it's a. It sounds not so educated, right? Or it mm. sounds like a little bit like you're just, you're lost, you're off in the stars or something. Yeah, it's like you're you're trying to buy time to think about what you want to say or you're trying to mm-hmm. process the information. But, you know, again, it's, it's not going to let the conversation flow well. So there are much better ways of filling the time to give yourself time to think about what you want to say or processing the, the information. There are much better phrases mm-hmm. that you that you can use that we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. And the next one you mentioned briefly, but it's like your body language. So are you like just the person says something, you don't understand it. And you just like look at them like a deer in the headlights. (laughs) Do you know that expression? Yeah. What does that mean? A deer in the headlights is when, I mean, if you basically think about it, a deer is an animal. And when uh, we have a lot of them in Colorado, so I've actually Mm. seen this, that when one of them like starts crossing the road when you're and you're in the car coming and you break really quickly not to hit them and they like look they get a paralyzed look on their face their eyes get really big yeah. so 
we'd say like a deer in the headlights, like when you're really confused. And I think a lot of learners make the mistake of making a look like that, that their eyes get big, or it's just like, you can see that something didn't fire well there. So yeah. And they even look afraid as well. Like mm-hmm. the way that their eyes widen and they're just like, <gasps> <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if there was some way to understand real English without getting lost and without getting bored? Well, now there is. With our real life native immersion course, we will take you on a 41 week real life adventure of the English language. Each week exploring a different topic connected to our goal to help you understand and use real native English and make it a permanent part of your life in a way that is fun, natural, and convenient. The best part is you can try it for free with our three-part power learning series. We will send it to your email. Just go to reallifeglobal.com pod, that's P-O-D, to sign up. Now let's get back to today's podcast lesson. And basically, if you are doing something like that, then the, you know, maybe the person will feel like a little bit distant or something, or like they're making you uncomfortable, which Mm. you certainly don't want them to feel like they're making you uncomfortable. Exactly. So that's a really important one as well. And then another thing that you shouldn't do if you're, if you're wanting to try and, you know, if you're really wanting to try and communicate in English is looking for help from another person Mm -hmm. because then you're going to get into that habit I think and then you're really not trying or putting yourself out there and it's it's really hard that one I I know I'm like still guilty of that sometimes If if I'm with someone who like speaks the language better than I do or maybe it's like I'm speaking with someone else and I'm with like a close friend you know, I'll be like, okay, you, you speak for me because mm. <laughs> I don't know what they're saying. And I think that's kind of like, you're losing the opportunity, right? To, yeah. as you said, to like grow in the language. So that said, I think that's pretty much, there might be more things, but I think that that probably covers the bulk of the mistakes that learners make in cultural fluency, right? Definitely. So now let's look at what you should actually do. So instead of saying what, instead of saying, I don't understand, instead of looking like a deer in the headlights, the first thing that you could say, instead of saying what, you could say other words that I think are much sound much more polite than saying what. Even if you say what, like we were saying more more correctly of saying like what, there's other words that we use more often to be more polite. So one of the things I would use a lot would be sorry. You could say sorry mm-hmm. or you could say excuse me. That's polite as well. And then would mm-hmm. you use pardon? And in certain parts, I would use it. In certain parts of the US, people would use it. But it definitely sounds very British to us. Yeah. I remember there's even like an episode of Seinfeld where one of the characters is with like a dating a, a British guy. And he always says, pardon. And so she's like, <laughs> she's like laughing at him in the end, like pardon. Oh, okay. In her American <laughs> accent. So yeah. Yeah. That's for us is, is pretty, is more of a British one for sure. But I think you could find it more in the South of the States. Yeah, I think it's probably more British and also a bit more formal, you mm-hmm. know, like I wouldn't, if I'm with friends and <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hear something or, you know, I wanted someone to repeat something, maybe I wouldn't say pardon. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't even think right now when, when I would use it, but people do still use it. I think if you're in any situation where you want to come off as more polite, and I think even in the US, uh, then you can definitely use that one. And I think the intonation is really important that you're saying, mm. that you're not saying sorry like that, because if you say it like that, then it's like you're um, like, maybe you stepped on someone's foot and you want to say sorry, but you wanted to say it as a question. So it's really important that upward inflection at the end saying sorry, sorry, or pardon. Yeah, that's really important. Making sure that it's a question so people know that you didn't quite catch what they were saying. Mm -hmm. And it kind of gives it that extra meaning of like, 
which basically is like, sorry, I didn't catch what you said. I didn't yeah. understand. That's the next one. Basically, like you should avoid saying I didn't understand. And instead, try to figure out, okay, why didn't I understand? Is this person speaking too fast? Mm -hmm. Was it some word that they said that I didn't understand? So like depending on why you didn't understand, instead of saying I didn't understand or I don't understand, we can take it and we can turn it into a learning moment. So first off, the person maybe is speaking too fast or you miss something that they said. So you could say, can you repeat that? Or if they're just speaking too fast, you feel like, then you can say, can you speak more slowly? Yeah, these are great survival phrases and they are ones that I learned in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Like, can you speak more slowly was one of the first things that I learned to say <laughs> in Spanish. It's absolutely essential. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't even form a full sentence at the beginning. I was just like, más despacio, por favor. <laughs> you know, like... Um, because I, I wanted to learn and I wanted to understand and I didn't want to cut the conversation or make the other person feel uncomfortable or like I wasn't trying. Mm -hmm. So I also learned actually that being a teacher for us, it's very easy to speak more slowly, mm -hmm. but for other people that maybe aren't teachers, they, they find it really difficult and often it would actually sound the same when they tried it slowly. Yeah. But certainly you can still ask people to speak more slowly. And I think when you do, the, the difference there too is like if you say, I don't understand or like you're, it seems like maybe you're accusing the other person, you know, mm. but if you're kind of like having that vulnerability, you know, I think you can even say, you know, sorry, I'm, I'm still learning English. Can you repeat that? Or can you speak more slowly, please? Mm -hmm. And always using, like we said, like the words like, please, sorry, uh, then you'll come across as more like the other person will be more open to helping you. And, and I think that vulnerability can be really important in those cases definitely because you're showing that you're vulnerable and you're taking the responsibility for not being able to understand rather than putting it on the other person mm -hmm. that's kind of why we say that if you know these kind of phrases all of a sudden and they seem really simple but like just learners don't use them uh if you know these phrases then it's like when you do get into a situation like this then you'll have kind of like this arsenal of tools that you can use to kind of like survive that's why we call them survival phrases to survive the, the conversation and it can even kind of augment your sense of fluency yeah definitely and you know it's going to help you so that you don't have to give up or rely on other people to help mm -hmm. you when you're not understanding something it's going to really help your progress in your learning this way because it's not going to stump your progress. Mm -hmm. What does stump mean? So it's another way of saying like stop your progress mm -hmm. or hinder it in a way so that it's slower. Exactly. We talked about if someone's speaking too fast, then you can just say, can you speak more slowly? Can you repeat that? People won't have any problem with it normally. And if they do, then maybe it's someone you don't want to be speaking with anyway. But <laughs> maybe you understood everything they said, but there was like one word you didn't catch. So then you could just say, what does, and then like say the word mean. So yeah. like I just said, what does, what does stump mean? Mm -hmm. And then the person, you know, can kind of like explain to you or they'll say it in a different way or, or whatever. And then that will help you to kind of like understand. And the added benefit there is like, you'll learn a new word. Exactly. So that's great because you're going to learn new vocabulary and you're probably more likely to remember it as mm -hmm. well. And you can even write it down so that so that you do. But this is really great because often you don't need to understand every single word when someone is speaking to you. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that word might actually be really important in the sentence. So when that is the case, just ask what it means if, yeah. if you don't know. No one's going to be mad at you or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's a certain, it's again, it's kind of like a vulnerability of saying like, what does whatever word mean? Because you feel maybe a little bit like 
you don't want that person to know that you're a learner or you don't want to feel like they're having to do extra work or something to converse with you. But it's it's really important because like otherwise, you know, you're going to get in a conversation with someone else. Maybe they'll say that same word and like you won't catch it. So, you know, really take this as an opportunity to learn. Maybe like going the other way, if you're speaking and there's like something, uh, a really big problem that learners have, I think is the the thinking aspect of it. So it's like you'll be speaking and then all of a sudden you get stumped. Like Andrea said, like all of a sudden you can't think of, of like a word that you want to say. So what you could say in that case is how do you say, and then like you could say the word in your own language if you know that that other person understands it. Mm-hmm. Or if that's not the case, then I think this is where really your your fluency will come out of this is if you can explain what you want to say. So like how do you say, you know, when blah, 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 blah. And then by explaining that, if you, if you do this, it's like pretty much you'll feel like a much more fluent speaker because all of a sudden any word that you're missing or anything that you don't know how to explain, you'll be practicing finding other ways to say it so it's not hindering or not stopping the conversation. Exactly. And the great thing about this that you've mentioned is that you're going to be able to describe a word that you don't know in another way. So when you're having a conversation with someone and you come to this type of situation where there's one word that you don't know, Mm -hmm. you can think of other ways to describe it, whether it's in words or using actions, and that's really going to add to your cultural fluency. Exactly. So the next one is, is another really great one that you can use instead of saying, I don't understand. And that is, what do you mean? And I think the really fantastic one about this, there's there's a big difference because it seems like it means the same thing as I didn't understand. But when you say, what do you mean? This is something that we natives would use if like someone's explaining something, we don't really quite get the concept. So it's not necessarily just the word. So this can be like a really great trick that you can use that that person will kind of like extrapolate. What does that mean? <laughs> extrapolate is like they'll build on, they'll say in a larger sense what exactly they mean by that. So I think that... Natives use this all the time. So first of all, you won't sound like an English learner like you do when you say, I don't understand. And then the other great benefit is they'll probably say it then naturally in another way. They might kind of like build on their thoughts or something, and then you'll probably understand it better. Yeah, I couldn't have explained that better myself. I think (laughs) it is a really great one to use and we use it all the time. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's a really good trick. If you don't quite understand what someone's saying, Mm -hmm. then you're asking them to explain it in a different way so that you can really get the meaning. Exactly. Using that one, it can be really great on the flip side. So that basically if you've explained something and you're kind of like watching that person's body language and they seem maybe kind of confused, they didn't understand something, then you can say, do you know what I mean? Or we might say in the US, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? How would you say that? Yeah, I think like we would say, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So again, it is quite connected, but I think sometimes I do hear people say it a bit more like, like you would in the US, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just obviously it sounds, I'm speaking with a British accent, (laughs) but the sounds are still more or less the same. Mm -hmm. That morphing. Yeah. So this one's really great because if you say, do you know what I mean? Or you can say it, do you know what I mean? If you prefer, or you can even drop that and say, know what I mean? That's really great because again, it's not saying, do you understand me? Which, you know, is kind of like a way of saying, I must be doing something really wrong with my English because you don't understand me because it also kind of like invites that person to say, oh yeah, I I understand what you're saying or I I got you, which is another really common one, right? I got you. Yeah, I think that one's definitely more American. More American. What would you say for that? Um, I get it. I maybe, I Uh think like, oh, I I get it or I get you, Mm -hmm. I think rather than I I got you. you. We could say that as well. I get you or I, I got you. 
But I, th- I do think that people say, do you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. a lot more as well in the UK. So we would say, do you know what I mean? But we would also say, do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. both of those mean basically the same thing, right? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? We'd say a lot too, dropping that G. Yeah. This is really great too, because like then it gives you an opportunity if they didn't, if they don't know what you mean, if they don't know what you're saying, then it gives you an opportunity to explain it in a different way. And it's kind of like you're practicing also on your ability to extrapolate on your thoughts. Mm-hmm. That's a great advanced word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Use that one a lot lately. <laughs> yeah. And then our final point doesn't have to do with what you say at all. We kind of already talked about this. So it's the body language and fluent communication. Yeah. So again, like this is really important thinking about your facial expressions, you know, not trying to show too much confusion in your face or that you are frustrated or Mm -hmm. angry at the person because maybe you're not, but then they might perceive it that way. Mm -hmm. And also thinking about your overall body language. You know, if you're really stuck, you can use your hands, you can make hand gestures and try and describe things in another way, not just with words. And this has actually reminded me of a lesson that we made on the Learn English with TV channel, which is with Cristiano Ronaldo, Mm -hmm. because he had a very early interview when he moved to Manchester. I think he was 17 years old and he didn't speak English. (laughs) And there's a famous interview that went viral where he just says, no understand. Yeah. And I mean, bless him. He was so young. He, he tried, he tried to do an interview and he couldn't at that moment. But then just look at how much progress he's made in his English mm-hmm. learning. I think he's got much better body language now. And he probably learned these survival phrases as well initially. Probably pretty quickly by. after that first interview. Yeah. <laughs> So if you haven't already seen it, do check out that lesson because mm-hmm. you'll you'll learn some of these survival phrases and also how to be more confident when speaking mm-hmm. in English because I think that's one great thing, whether you like him or not, Ronaldo <laughs> is very confident, and, but he's also very successful, even yeah. as an English language learner. And in other languages as well. I, thought, I found mm-hmm. that very impressive. He speaks something like five languages. So, mm-hmm. And you said something really interesting there. You said, bless him. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Do you use this in the US? It's actually, I, I've been working on a lesson about English from the South of the United States. They say that a lot. Oh, they say okay. like, oh, bless you. Or yeah. Bless him. In most of the states, I think that we don't use that so much. It's, it's like semi-religious. So I guess yeah. probably for those reasons. And in, in the South, there's more people that are, are more religious. Yeah, because usually if someone sneezes, mm-hmm. you would say, bless you. But we use it a lot, not in a religious context, but we use it a lot in the UK when, you know, someone maybe is finding something difficult or they're Mm -hmm. really trying and we'll say, oh, bless him or bless her or you drop the H as well sometimes. So you Mm -hmm. just say bless him or bless her. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just a way to kind of you're you're showing, you know, oh, bless them. They're really trying Mm -hmm. and it's difficult for them, but they are trying. So you're kind of recognizing that. Yeah. I thought that was perfect with Ronaldo, like, bless him, he was trying, but but he kind of failed epically in that first interview, but he's come a long way. Uh So I think here we've we've taught you also like some some other good phrases, just as we've been talking that like, I got you, or I get you, or any of these other ones that you can say instead of saying like, know what I mean, know what I'm saying. And then finally, just kind of like starting to practice focusing on your body language and stuff. I think a really great way that you can do this even is just like recording yourself speaking in front of the mirror. I've had a lot of students who this has worked wonders with. 
Yeah, because a lot of the time you're not aware what you look like when you're speaking or when you're saying certain phrases. And I mean, I've had it sometimes just talking with my husband or a friend and they're like, oh, why are you, why are you saying it like that? And I'd be like, what, what do you mean? How did I say it? And they're like, oh, well, well look at your face or something. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what, what, what am I expressing here on my face? So unless you actually film yourself, you're, you won't be aware of it. So it is a really useful tool for sure. Exactly. So hopefully this will help you a lot next time you have an English conversation that you won't have to panic. You can start practicing these survival phrases and then you'll be ready for anything that person throws at you. What do you mean by if someone throws something at you? Are they actually like throwing something <laughs> in your face? So you can literally throw something physical at someone, but we say that also kind of like figuratively to mean that someone says something to you or asks you a question that's not so expected. Uh, like for example, maybe if you're not paying attention in class and then the, mm -hmm. the teacher asks you a question or something because they, they notice that you're kind of falling asleep or something. And it's <laughs> kind of like they're, they're throwing at you a difficult question. So what I mean by that is that you'll be ready, you know, even if that person comes at you, you're speaking to someone from New York who they speak a mile a minute, right? What does that mean? They speak a mile a minute. <laughs> they speak extremely fast. Yeah, New Yorkers. Fast. We actually have another thing called a New York minute, which is, I think, an, an hour. So it's like because oh. they go their the life there is so fast paced that for them an hour is like a minute. Okay. So basically, if you're speaking to someone from New York or maybe Puerto Rico or somewhere else that they have a fame for speaking very fast, you'll be ready because you'll be able to say, can you speak more slowly? Can you tell me what that word means? I didn't get you. Do you know oh, what I mean? Excuse me. Pardon. Yeah. Yeah. And being very polite saying, please, thank mm -hmm. you. Sorry. So I think you're ready for anything. And we'll give you another special tip over on our Instagram, as always, at reallife.english. And we look forward to seeing you next week on the Real Life English Podcast. One, two, three. Ah, yeah. Don't be a stranger. You can find all the notes like vocabulary, links, and more for this lesson on our blog at reallifeglobal.com. And connect with us and on Instagram at reallife.english for even more fun English recommendations. Do you want to continue your learning and get confident, fluent English? Then I have a couple great recommendations for you. First of all, check out our YouTube channel, Learn English with TV series, where you can have fun learning to understand fast-speaking natives with your favorite movies, series, and more without getting lost, without missing the jokes, and without subtitles. Second, if you like our podcast, then our real-life native immersion course is perfect for you. It is the next best thing to studying abroad in an English-speaking country. Try it for free with our three-part power learning series. Just go to reallifeglobal.com slash pod to sign up. Finally, if you are enjoying our podcast, then please assist us in helping more people go beyond the classroom and live their English. You can do this by sending a link to this podcast to a friend or by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening. We might even shout you out on the podcast. Stay healthy and safe, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Aw, yeah.